Hey, I'm Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Please come and check out this exciting episode we have for you. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Today, we have Army veteran Nick Bussey on with us today, and we're super excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being on, brother. Hey, thanks, Jason. I appreciate it. It's an honor. Awesome, man. So you're in the Army, right? So 13 years in the Army, is that right? Yep. A nice, good, hard, long 13 years. Right on, man. What did you do? What was your job? Uh, I had a change of military occupation specialty about halfway. I started as a 13 Bravo, so I was artillery. Okay. Um, and then I made my way to recruiting and finished out seven more years. So six years artillery and seven years recruiting. What prompted you to join the military? Was it something like you were always after, you always planned on doing, or did it just kind of happen by accident? Tell us the story. You know, a lot of people my age um, tend to probably join for the same reason. <clears throat> you're in high school. It's, it's sophomore year. You're in history class or whatever class you, you may be in. And all of a sudden, you know, everyone stops. It's silent and everyone's staring at the TV. Uh, at the time, I didn't even I didn't even know what was going on. I just saw one tower of smoke and then next, you know, two towers of smoke. And you're kind of still trying to grasp what's going on. And, and, uh, and then you start seeing bodies falling out of the buildings, jumping out of the windows. And that created something inside of me that uh, just was curious what is going on. And so when those twin towers um, were, under, were under fire and everything was happening and they collapsed, uh, I just had to hit a reality like, oh, my gosh, this is real. Uh, we, like this is this is actually happening history in the making. And I'm in history class learning about times that are way before me. Um, yeah. So that really struck my patriot or patriot or my patriotism, my uh, my my really, I guess, my care for you know what's going to happen to our country if I don't serve. And all my friends start jumping in into the war who graduated two years later. So in about 2006, about three, two years after I saw this, I just decided, you know what? Like there's something bigger out there for me to do. There's a war going on. And I really just, I really want to put myself out there and join these forces and get rid of this terrorism. And, uh, you know, I just drop of a hat. I walked into a recruiting station and I said, send me right away, uh, which is funny because we end up having that hashtag send me. Yeah. Um, but I literally was one of those guys that walked in said, send me, give me something in combat. And they sent me away. And about two months after that I was gone and I finally came back uh, in 2019, but you know, really my, my purpose, uh, I was still trying to figure out what my purpose was in life. And I thought, you know, this is a great time to defend your country. Uh, this is a good way to develop yourself uh, as a man. And, you know, it, it really did change a lot for me. In fact, like where I am now is nothing I could have fathomed at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's such a, a life changing moment, right? Um, having watched that, I would, I was already in, um, I was, I was in the, the national guard at the time, so I wasn't activated, but I was, you know, on the list, right. As soon as, you know, they needed me, I was, I was ready to roll on all the, the pre-deployment briefings and anthrax vaccinations and all that jazz, right. Um, all teed up. Um, so you went right into theater then shortly after what your, your, uh, tech school and or your MOS school, um, where, where did you end up uh, in the Middle East? Where'd they send you? Yeah, after basic, I'd say I spent maybe a year and a half, two years of Fort Riley <clears throat> training, and we got our orders to go, and we went to uh, Baghdad, 
our first tour. Okay. Um, so we went, to, we went to Baghdad and we went to VBC. If you don't remember, that's a huge base, uh, not too far, far from Prosperity where Saddam's palace was. And we ended up actually being in uh, the last four months inside the palace operating out of there. So I ended up there. And then the second tour, we ended up in um, Fob Adder, which is an air base in Southern Iraq uh, near Nazaria. Um, so what was it like being there during that time? I mean, were you guys in situations where you're, you're taking a lot of fire or um, what was your experience? You know, I was prepared for the extreme chaos, which I think is good for someone to prepare themselves for that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was more so everything around me that was going on was was interesting. So we, we didn't engage in so much battle. It was more like there's a cloud of smoke blowing up at ECP-1, just, you know, an eighth of a mile to our right. And then there's another cloud of smoke from a bomb on ECP-2 to the left, just another quarter mile to the left. And so my experience was, you know, when is this going to happen to me? Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be the next day? Uh, I'd say the, my first day going to an, an, an entry control point in Baghdad, uh, there was a, a bomb that actually went off. Uh, the moment I walked on there to take over the people who were leaving to go home Jeez. and, you know, sure enough, there's just chaos and there's limbs outside the wall and they say, Hey, welcome to ECP one. That was my first experience. Dang. Um, but after that, it was everybody else. Um, you know, in my second tour, we were really more so doing uh, counter indirect fire. We had a lot of missiles on our base. So we were designed to go out either at night, 2 AM and try to dismantle, um, any groups getting together to put rockets on rails, uh, or during the day, we were really just uh, angel hair wire finders. We were, we were packed with a large amount of ammunition, um, with a thing called a guardian, which puts about a 50, 50 foot circle around us of a powerful invisible ring that would stop any radio command signals to bombs near us. And we would just find wires upon wires and wires just going from covert to covert to covert with, with IEDs. Wow. Um, so my experience was actually fun. If, if I, if I answered the question, I, I was uh, the guy with the sucker in my mouth. Uh, I was the guy putting all kinds of random brush, uh, of bushes in my helmet, my uniform, like we're trying to camouflage, like, but there is no, there's no greenery out there. So <laughs> right. I had, a, I had, a, I had a blast. I, I had a blast. I mean, I'd pull out a bomb out of a covert, not knowing if it's going to explode just so I can get home to have my roast beef sandwich. Because uh, EOD takes eight hours to get out there, and I've already been out there eight hours. Jeez, so it was a fun experience. That's crazy. It's it's interesting to me, like how much work they put into like planting all these IEDs. I mean, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're, they're intelligent, uh, you know. In, in that matter, uh, if we evolve something that's different, they evolve their techniques to go around it. So, you know, if if they have an, uh, an EFMP or anything that triggers off the heat engine. Or for instance, we had a rhino on the top in the front of our Humvees that had that right huge, really hot glow plug that would detect the, the the heat initiation of bombs that would go off. Well, to eliminate that the issue for the enemy, they would actually have it timed. So by the time it touched our heat lamp in our rhino on our vehicle, it time up for just it time it just enough proximity or difference in time so that it'd blow up underneath our engine. Or underneath our vehicle. So they do a very good job of tailoring their devices or their techniques to what we do. Well, thankfully you made it, you made it back in one piece. Um, and you got, got a recruiting, uh, slot. Um, what was that like? I've, I've heard, 
I've heard a lot of people really enjoy that recruiting slot. Some do, some don't. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 definitely a hustle and bustle. But I was actually put in a packet for uh, both recruiting and a drill sergeant. Okay. And sure enough, about to go on a mission on my second tour last month in Iraq. I get orders to be volunteered to be a recruiter. So, you know, even though I volunteered for it, I did get uh, ordered to do so. And uh, I started yeah. my journey there with recruiting, which pretty much jump-started everything that I'm doing now. Nice, nice. So walk us walk us through that. So 13 years, you got done with your recruiting um, orders. And um, was your enlistment up and you were just like, peace, I'm out? Or how did you end up exiting? No, I actually uh, developed a compartment syndrome in both my legs. Uh, it's something that was there from the very first tour. So it's been lingering for a long time. Uh, I started to notice that I couldn't run more than a quarter mile. My leg was starting to get really stiff and then muscles started herniating out of my leg, out of my calf. So I had to go to a doctor and find out what was going on. They were like, sure enough, you have compartment syndrome. It, it could be deadly, um, but they have to cut you open and let you heal with no stitches so that your fascia can extend to your, the muscle, to the calf muscle, so it fits. Ultimately, what compartment syndrome is, is your calf muscle expands and it's too large for the housing, which is the fascia, or fa fascia which is why it herniates and it stops wow. all blood flow to your leg. But uh, the surgery led to more complications and it, it led to uh, nerve issues, uh, loss of feeling in the foot, uh, irritated nerves in the side of legs. So if you touch, it's like shocking yourself in a wall socket. Wow. Uh, which led to other things like an epidural, which led to more back problems. So let's just say I got out on a lot of uh, medical uh, surgeries that happened. What did you do after you got out? Did you have a plan? I, I did. I, I, my, my team's really, my, my command was really good at giving me an ample amount of time to, to get ready, which is not what a lot of people experience in the military Yeah. Uh, when they transition. So when I got out, I uh, was searching for a, a job in my field, which is recruiting. Um, and, uh, Joe Leno, who's actually my boss now, he contacted me about a recruiting opportunity with leaf filter, which is now branded, uh, in within leaf home as a, as a headquarters. And I didn't know what leaf filter was at all. I just knew that I could do anything with recruiting. I'm very proactive and I wanted this job. And next thing you know, um, our chief human resources officer, uh, Sean Laboda had this great idea, and I'm sure the other people of his team had a great idea to try and instill the military culture within the company, um, which was originally for just Leaf Filter, but now it's it's for all their verticals, uh, their different companies. And they asked me, hey, Nick, you know, how can we bring the military culture into our company and, uh, and also use find a way to build talent programs that can bring in good military talent into our company as well? And can you write something? I'm sitting there and I'm just like, this is the, this is gotta be a joke. This is a dream job to write your own role, yeah. especially when it comes to the military. So I sat down and, you know, uh, just took, took some time, maybe a couple hours and wrote down a plan of what I could do for this company. Um, and you know, they liked what they heard and they said, you know, can you come on board and instill this military culture with us? And I accepted and it just bloomed from there. We have done so much for this company. Uh, it's just ridiculous. The amount of programs we did, we created, the culture we created. Just yesterday, I was doing a quarterly uh, veteran employee meeting to go over all kinds of VA programs, rescinded programs, new programs, incentives they might not know about. So it's really 
blossom to something amazing. It's neat to be able to kind of write your own rule book too in, in bringing something, you know, so well, you know, um, that that's really, really unique. Um, tell us about building that culture. And I, I would have to imagine that there was probably some resistance by some, um, for implementing a change, right? Cause change is, is never fun for people. And, you know, they, they have some resistance to that. So walk us through, you know, what'd you experience there as you're trying to implement this? Aside from me having my own experience and knowledge, I, I followed a few people on LinkedIn, you know, and really just kind of looked at what they were doing, how they were doing it. And there's these three, four people, I call it the three B's uh, and the Domingo. Uh, and you may or may not hear of them, hear of them, but I'm sure somebody who watches this does. Um, you got Brian Arrington from Vets to Industry, uh, who really bridges that gap between companies and transitioning veterans. Uh, I watch him and what he does to engage with people. Uh, Brian Gomez, R for R for Facebook. He, uh, he, he's a great influence on the community, especially even digitally with people who are reaching out through LinkedIn. Um, Brian Prather, it might be Prather. Uh, he works for Nike and he's, he's taking all these different initiatives on the side to make sure that he's still tailoring to veterans for the company and just as a mentor. And of course, Samantha Domingo from Amazon, she does the military initiatives programs. So I looked at all these people and said, okay, what can we do? How can I instill the same thing, but maybe different for our, our culture and our company? Yeah. And we did so. However, uh, the challenges were more so, uh, you know, is, is our company going to be a right fit for military? How do we find a way to make sure they feel comfortable within this company? Because there's a lot of psychological things that can go on when you're transitioning. And one of them is fitting into a culture and one that has structure. Uh, so those were really big challenges because to be able to create something, you need a team, um, a corporate team. You need your social media team, content creation team. Uh, you, need, you need everyone to bless on your programs that you want to do. Um, and of course, we wanted to create a welcome package to military people, hats, challenge coin, just like we do in the service. Um, our own shirts and everything we can find to make them feel welcome. So uh, we, we eventually did do it and it's actually working out just fine. Um, the challenges were really just getting us blessed on and trying to find a way for service members to feel comfortable walking into a new company while at the same time, they might have identity crisis. They might be not sure, hey, is this going to work out for me? This is new. So we really try and bring that welcoming presence. And so far, I would, I'd like to say, based on data, we are doing a great job. That's really exciting. Um, and so now are you even participating in the recruiting capacity that, that you thought you were originally going into or applying for? Or did that just completely shift to day one into to doing the culture piece? No, it's both. Okay. Uh, I am not only creating uh, programs or partnering with with uh, organizations like Hiring Our Heroes, uh, you know, DOD SkillBridge. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but at the same time, I'm running all those candidates. So to help out our talent team and recruiting team, I have my own running list. I speak individually one-on-one -on -one with every single candidate that's looking to come join our company. Um, I interview and screen all of them and I find a good spot for them. I find a location for them and I actually carry them out throughout the whole process uh, to get them approved by the command and onboarded onto our team. On the other side of things, I'm still trying to find ways, how can I proactively increase our efforts and not only make our company better, but make things better for veterans. So we, we continue to keep looking for different organizations to partner with like Vet Jobs, 
um, you know, or uh, create my own program, like the Leaf Home uh, Veteran Family Program to get people in. So I, I, it's it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of reward to this. You, it's just, you to see people write stuff about you, to see people say, hey, I'm really happy here. I love the way you guys transitioned us into the into your guys' company. I feel at home. That is the biggest reward I, I could ask for. And this is actually why I do it. No, that is really cool because I think uh, for a lot of military people, the transition can be pretty bumpy. Um, you know, not only figuring out like where the next move is going to be, you know, what are you going to do? But then when you actually arrive, you know, it's it's a completely different culture in most respects, right? You're going into the civilian world and everything is way different, right? So I got to imagine some of that gives them that kind of, you know, feeling like they're at home type of feeling. I'd be lying if I said I didn't go through some, you know, some issues or questions even about myself transitioning, you know, and that's, that's why I started to write my book, Changing Cadence. And it, it covers all that, you know, there's the transition. It's, it's ridiculous the amount of things that you go through. It's a roller coaster. It could be, um, not everyone is super strong willed. Not everyone has that complete upbeat motivation to go ahead and tackle it. Um, I'd say a good portion of people struggle. Um, PTSD might seem to be the calmest thing that we all go through, but there's a lot more underlining issues. Uh, and that's, that's why I'm writing this book. It's, it's to cover those psychological issues that you in those barriers and roadblocks that you come across when you transition. And sometimes people uh, spend a whole lifetime trying to transition. It's really sad. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, you know, like for instance, we're used to the journey, the excitement and fulfillment in the military. Right. When you come into the private sector, you, you kind of lose all that. Um, also, there's not someone telling you to go do this and do this and do that and stay proactive. You have to take it upon yourself to fulfill yourself with that journey and excitement and fulfillment, fill that void. Um, then there's the identity crisis. You're wondering, who am I? You know, what does it take to, to be successful? How am I a Sergeant First Class, Sergeant Major, First Sergeant, or a Major in the military, but I can't land a job? Or they say I don't have private sector experience. You know, these, these things that we go through are just, uh, it's part of the transition. And, uh, you know, I really think that there's a lack of transitional knowledge that are being educated to our military. Uh, though we have transition offices in a team, uh, it's, it's not relayed properly. And it's, it's not more so uh, encouraged. It's just like, hey, here it is. This is what we got, you know, figure out on your own. Sayonara. Being a military person, you see, you know, those first sergeants or sergeant majors or, or majors, you know, like, you know, you don't get to those positions in the military by just being some bum, you know, like, like you gotta be, you gotta be good. You gotta be good at what you do. You have to be able to lead people. Like there's a lot that goes into achieving those ranks and those positions. And it's, it's crazy to think that they can't, that it's hard for them to transition into a good role in the civilian world. And it's, it is, yeah, you know, lack of knowledge. I think both on the civilian sector and, and the military sector too, you know, like um, civilians, you know, obviously not having that military background and kind of understanding of like, you know, what kind of a role that person played, um, you know, it's it's hard for them to assimilate like coming into a private organization and actually having some responsibility that's worth their time or their experience, you know, because they, they don't, they don't understand it. But then on the flip side, you know, it's it, the military isn't always the best at helping tee you up to make that move either. So there's, there's this gap, right. Um, and I think, you know, um, and you're probably 
hitting on it with your book, but, um, you know, I think really addressing that gap and there's, there's both sides of that coin, right? I've been, the subject has been coming up a lot lately. Uh, you know, just yesterday I was watching that new movie, uh, Tomorrow War, um, with Chris Pratt. And it's a perfect example of what we're talking about. At the beginning of the movie, he's waiting to finish his third round of an interview, uh, to work in some science lab or, or something that has to do with his dreams post-military. He was prior special forces, his, his character was. He goes on the phone and they would give him the bad news. Sorry, you're a great candidate. But unfortunately, what you don't have through the other, the other candidate has that we picked is private sector experience. So yes, a lot of times it's hard to transition our military uh, skills and professional attributes we have to the civilian private sector. Uh, that's why I think that everyone needs to link up with a mentor like myself or any of the people I mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, that's what gets you through it. And that's that's what got me through it. Um, so tell us a little bit about your book. What what was the uh, when did this start? You know, once I got this job and I started digging into a lot to a lot of questions, I asked a lot of questions on LinkedIn. Um, I invited uh, doctors who are psychiatric doctors. Uh, I invited everybody and I had one on one conversations because I wanted to understand what are the barriers to transition that are beyond what I understand and know and how is that affecting not only the service member, but my process to get people into our company. Um, and of course, that that's what built our company, but that's what sparked the idea. You know, I think I need to write about this and not just from my own personal story, but I want a mixture of others as well. And plus, I want to have great, um, great information and, and facts from actual doctors themselves. So I started writing and started writing about not just myself, but everybody else's challenges. Uh, and I realized that there is a rhythmic solution to our problems. And much like the military, we have a cadence call. We change cadence all the time. We're always singing cadence in the military when we're running. And what's really interesting is just what does cadence mean? And it's a rhythmic sequence. You know, it's a flow of sounds in our language. It's it's the beat, the time, a measure of rhythmical motion or activity. And everybody is always switching, singing a new song to keep us motivated to run. And I was like, well, my gosh, that is just like what we do to ourselves when we're transitioning. We're going through an identity crisis. We're trying to figure out what's my rhythm, what's my cadence, what can I sing and you know sing and run to? What is it going to work for me? If that doesn't work. We change another cadence. We we go to a different uh, different approach. We try new things. We try and act different. We're, we we go through all these emotions uh, and, and a different rhythm of how we're going to make life work in the private sector. Um, and that's what this book really covers. It talks about all those things. You know, we all have our own cadence. Uh, you know, it's upon the initial transition process. We try to find our own rhythm that makes sense. And really, this book is supposed to design to help others who are going through issues, roadblocks prior transition, um, or even post transition. And how can we find ourselves to be successful? Um, you know, like I said, all these psychological things we go through in the identity crisis, there is an answer. Um, so instead of blaming ourselves, saying, how am I a first sergeant? I can't get a job. Uh, maybe figure out, okay, what is my cadence? I need to change my cadence, my rhythm. Who do I talk to? Um, what can I do to eliminate any type of stress, anxiety? Because I know I'm beating a clock right now because I'm about to get out in two months. Who do I need to contact? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, how do I reinvent myself? Uh, so this book is going to cover all those things. There's going to be a lot of good information, not just for myself, but many other veterans who've shared their story. Um, a lot of doctors that I spoke with that talk about 
how to overcome these things, including doctors that I've spoke with. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great book, and I, I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, it sounds really awesome. Um, when do you when do you anticipate having that uh, ready for people to read? Uh, I hope I have it this time next year. There's there's a lot of writing to do. There's a lot of editing, um, and just to get it launched on for sale. It's it's going to be uh, it's going to take some time, but I think by around this time next year, it should be fully done and completed. Oh, that's awesome. Well, if um, if we can help in, in any way, you know, through the podcast and and what we're doing here to um, get some eyes on it or get some exposure. Um, you absolutely have our, our full support. I think that's a, a really, really big deal. And we'd love to support you in any way that we can. Um, so just let us know. And, 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 and in that same tone, let's make sure you're back on the air, um, with us, uh, when the book is released and, uh, absolutely. let's talk about that's it, man. Let's hype it up for you. Let's, let's, let's blast it on social media and, and get some eyes on this. It's such an important topic. And I mean, it's, it's the reason why, you know, I do this podcast is it's, it's that important, right. To be talking about this stuff because it's hard. It's, it's, it's a purpose, right. Just like you, you know, we, we do have this purpose. And I, I think mine was not serving when I thought it was, I think my purpose was serving those who are serving or have served. And, uh, you know, I moved down to Las Vegas from California not too long ago. And, you know, I've met some good people who, who are, are doing things for veterans who are not even, some who have never served. Uh, there's a great guy named Mike or Mark here who runs a thing called Rec Barbecue, and it's for veterans because veterans ultimately is what took him out of a really dark hole uh, mentally. Uh, there's a thing called Veterans Court. Uh, Judge Mark Stevens here in Clark County runs an amazing program for veterans who have a misdemeanor or less, and they get a chance to get linked up with not just their, their lawyer, but a, a mentor for veterans and how to get them back on their feet. So I took part in that as well. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, I think that it's more rewarding. It's it's nice to serve the country. It's nice to make, to, to keep our country safe. And I thank all the men and women out there who do that. But uh, I, for me, I think what really fills my heart is taking care of those who are serving. Yeah, no, amen, brother. That's, um, that's awesome. And it's cool to know um, that you're so dialed in with a lot of these people um, and can be a resource to so many. Um, so what's the best way, you know, if someone has some questions, they're looking to transition and they're, they're looking for some mentorship and, you know, how can they get connected with you? And maybe you're not the mentor for them, but maybe you can, you know, point them in the right direction. Um, and they can just use you as a pivot point, but what's the best way to, to find you? Aside from contacting myself, my inbox is wide open to everybody. Uh, I would say definitely reach out to Brian Arrington from Bets the Industry, all one word with the number two. Uh, that will that's a good place to meet with many different companies that are doing what I'm doing. Um, they hold uh, a large, couple hour long Zoom conversation where you get to speak with the recruiters themselves oh, wow. uh, personally. Uh, and I would I would definitely look into the DoD SkillBridge program, the Department of Defense SkillBridge program. This program is a dream come true, and it's been around for way too long for no one to know about, and it's it's bugged me. Um, and now we use it constantly within Leaf Home. Uh, it allows you to have the last six months of your military career still paid by the DOD to hang up those boots, hang up that uniform, and go work for a company like like Leaf Home um, or or you know numerous other companies like Boeing and Raytheon, and you get to work with them for six months. Uh, it's unpaid internship, but you're paid by the DOD. Yeah. And it's designed to give you an offer layer at the very end to continue working as a paid employee. And it's been 
a godsend. We just launched this program and we have 65 people in it already. You know, I am starting to hear more and more people using SkillBridge. It's not an overwhelming amount, but it's, I think it's starting to get a little traction, um, which is huge, right? It's, it's a really, really awesome program. I have some friends that, um, have some companies and they use SkillBridge and, um, it's, it's great. It's really, really cool. So yeah, anybody that's listening, um, like Nick was saying, if you're, if you're getting out in the next eight or six months, um, definitely look into SkillBridge and, um, it's a great way to, to get your feet wet in this civilian sector. And, um, you know, the best thing that could come of it is you figure out maybe that's not the right job, right? Maybe that isn't the fit for you. Maybe, maybe you got, maybe you need to, um, to pivot and go a different direction, go to plan B and, but you've got yeah, the there's- time on your side to do that. Yeah, and that's what's special about it. Uh, and I know a lot of people when they get out, they want they want to know like, am I going to get offered right away? That comes from fear, right? Um, fear of not taking care of kids financially and all that. But you know, again, this is time to get away from maybe military culture is stressing right now because you're transitioning. It's a good way to get out, get that you know from out, get adjusted to private sector before you have to be in the private sector. Uh, and again, like you said. Um, it's, it's a great opportunity if, if to figure out if this is for me or not. Uh, and if it's not, you still have a lot amount of time to go look for something. Yeah. Uh, luckily for us, we, we've got about a 90% acceptance rate as far as giving our offers and then being accepted. So I'm, I'm glad we're the right fit, but it is a great time to, to use, to find out for yourselves. Yeah. thousand percent, man. Well, Hey Nick, I want to thank you for, um, carving out some time. I know you're busy with everything you've got on your plate, but I want to thank you for being on the armed and ready podcast today. Um, I love what you're doing with helping vets transition and, um, we want to help you spread the word. And, um, and next year, once that book is released, let's, let's have you back on and, and let's really talk about this book and, and get some more information out into the hands of our military folks. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Can't wait to talk to you again soon. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Take care. You too. See you, Dom. Bye. Thank you so much for checking out today's episode. If you have any questions about the guests on the show, please reach out to me at valoneguy.us.